All right, so last week, we started a new series called This Is Our God, looking at the, uh, the characteristics and attributes of the God that we served. And one of the things that we, we, we said is, you know, looking at our God, what we know about our God is what he has revealed to us about himself in Scripture. That's the only way we know about him. And the first time he reveals himself to us in Scripture in all of human history is really Exodus chapter 34. We had seen his works up until this point, but we didn't know who he was. In Exodus chapter 34, Moses is on Mount Sinai with get, receiving the, the Ten Commandments. And the Lord speaks as he passes by Moses, giving him these characteristics of himself that we are going to be speaking about over the next few weeks. So let's read Exodus chapter 34 together. It says, The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in loyal love and faithfulness. The wonderful thing about our God is, it says, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But he by no means leaves the guilty unpunished, responding to the transgression of fathers by dealing with children and children's children to the third and fourth generation. So today, last week we looked at how all of these attributes of God are all wrapped up and all surrounded by his justice. And we kind of dug a little deeper into that on Tuesday night. And uh, for those of you that are with us, we'll do that again this next week on this topic of compassion. You know, one of the, the passages that really speaks to the compassion of God toward us as a people is Isaiah chapter 49. And Isaiah 49 begins with what is called a servant songs. There are four servant songs in Isaiah, and these songs are about the servant of the Lord, the promised Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. These are really looking and is a foreshadowing of our Messiah, Jesus Christ. And Israel had failed God as his representative to the nations, but God's redemptive plan would not be thwarted. God's anointed servant, Jesus, would fulfill his plans for Israel and the nations. So let's start looking here at Isaiah chapter 49, verse 13, to see about the compassion of God. Isaiah records for, Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. You see that the grace, the sovereign grace of God invokes universal praise across the earth. All creations should sing praise for God's comfort and his compassion toward the people. As we continue, verse 14 records the really perverted response to God's grace. The people here respond, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. 
Zion is a reference to Jerusalem, the, the, the people of Israel. It is the city personified. The place represents the people. God promised his servant will deliver Israel, meaning Jesus. The people of God do not believe the promise of God and unable to see past their current affliction, their current circumstance, they claim that the Lord has forgotten them. The Lord has forsaken them. And this is Israel's perspective in their current situation in Babylonian captivity. You see, their situation made them feel like God had forsaken them. They were in this situation because they had forsaken God. The thing is, do not trust your feelings. Israel's feelings were real, but they were not right. Your heart and your feelings are deceptive. Our emotional response to life circumstances can be authentic, but it is rarely accurate. If you're a child of God and you feel your heavenly Father has forsaken you, you're going to see from this passage today that your feelings are lying to you. We live in a feelings-based society where so much of our decisions are made not based on the truth of what we know, but our feelings in the moment. There are times when your feelings of despair, depression, and discouragement need to be rebuked by the truth of God's word. Isaiah continues to go in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 15. He says, Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. This is one of the strongest declarations of God's compassion toward you in all of Scripture. We see a threefold confirmation of God's compassion toward you as a people in these verses. First, we see the picture of God's compassion. Verse 15 says, Can a woman forget her nursing child? that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb. This is a rhetorical question with a negative answer. Even the despondent Israelites would agree and affirm that a mother will not forget her child. Yet the Lord states this obvious truth in very, very persuasive language. One of the things my wife loves giving her parents a hard time about is after she was born, the very first Sunday, they took baby Rachel to church. Her parents, after church was over, hopped in the car and left, and left baby Rachel in the nursery. They forgot about her. They weren't used to having a newborn child that they had to take home with them. This verse pictures a woman who becomes pregnant and has a child and God asks the question can a woman forget her nursing child 
The child is not, and it's terrible twos or threes, it's a nursing child, a newborn that draws sustenance from the mother's breast. The cries of the child will not allow the mother to forget the child. Without the cries, even without the cries, the mother's maternal instincts tell her when it's feeding time. Her body and soul will not let her forget. Is it possible, he's saying, that she have no compassion on the son of her womb? Compassion meaning to forget. Is it possible for the mother to forget if her child is in pain, trouble, or danger, a mother cannot sit by and do nothing? When something happens to a child at school, we have a term in our culture called, I'm going to go all mother bear on the school. You guys laugh because that may have been you at some point. A child, a mother cannot sit by and do nothing. Even when Christ was being crucified on the cross and all of his disciples forsook him and fled. Who was at the foot of the cross? His mother. His mother. You know, I can think back to conversations with our children when they were newborns and sitting there as a new parents gawking over the newborn looking at how precious they are and how Rachel took care of that child really day and night being there for the well-being of that child. There is a mystic love between a mother and a child. The child came from the seed of the father, but the child was a part of the mother. They were one as the baby is formed in her womb. I have heard Rachel say many a times, I'm amazed that this child grew inside of me. Just the miraculous nature that God could grow what is now today our children inside of me. Everything a pregnant mother does affects two people. When the child is born, it comes back to the mother to feed the child. A child's bloodline goes to the father, but a child's lifeline goes through the mother. In 1 Kings Chapter 3, we're told of a story how Solomon had asked, God had given Solomon one, basically the ability to ask for anything. And Solomon asked for one thing, he asked for wisdom. And we see this story in 1 Kings chapter 3 of Solomon's wisdom on display that just baffled even the wisest people in his kingdom. You see, there two women came to the king and they were both sleeping on their mats with their babies by their side. And one child died while in bed. And the woman sleeping next to her in the middle of the night, switched. she switched the babies. She switched out her 
dead child who had died in the middle of the night with the child of the woman who had the living baby in the room with her. Both mothers claimed the living baby. Solomon, in his wisdom, his decision on the matter was just cut the baby in half and give half to each mother. Solomon knew that the real mother wants what's best for her child. And so the birth mother stopped and said, no, let the other woman have the child. To which Solomon knew, that's the real mother. That is the real mother. This is a picture of God's compassion to say to Israel that he would never forsake and forget them. So we see the picture of God's compassion. Next, we see the promise of God's compassion. In verse 15, it says, Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? The presumed answer is the incorrect answer. Verse 15, the second part of verse 15 says, Even these may forget, yet I will not forget. It is said a mother loves at all times, but that is not always the case. A woman may forget or forsake her child. Or maybe that you grew up in a home where you did not have a loving mother. We know that is not 100% the case. You know, when news reports of a mother abusing or abandoning her child, it's shocking to us. Why? Because that's not natural. That's not natural for a mother to do that for the same reason it's not natural for a woman to abort her child a mother's instinct is to nurture her child not slaughter it yet verse 15 says even these may forget he says there's gonna be times when you're going to have a mother that forgets but i will never forget you see when syria besieged samaria There was a famine in the land, and a woman cried out to the king for help. In 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 28, let's read here, she explained. And the king asked her, what is your trouble? She answered, this woman said to me, give your son so that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. On the next day, I said to her, give your son that we may eat him, but she has hidden her son. It's kind of a gross and detestable thing to even think about getting to that point of starvation. But the hiding mother was desperate enough to kill someone else's son, but not her own. God is saying, even these may forget the wickedness and sinfulness of humanity. Even these mothers may forget, but I will never forget about you. Verse 15 does not claim the love and compassion of God is like that of a mother. It claims the love of God is greater than that of a mother. Divine love and compassion is infinitely greater than any human love. The love and compassion of God surpasses the love of a mother or father. Psalms 27.10 says, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. 
verse 15 of Isaiah 49 is a remarkable promise. I will not forget you. I will not. It is a promise to Israel first. It's a promise to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is a promise to everyone who trusts in the Lord God for salvation. Yet the one who is in need, pain, trouble, the Lord is there. A godly mother does not play favorites, but the mother for a child who is in need in that moment will receive her special attention. So it is with God. God loves you and shows you compassion as if you are the only one to God. Why? Because you are unforgettable to God. That is why. Sin, sickness, sorrow, suffering, or Satan cannot cause God to forget you. It is the Father's unique, unconditional, unchanging promise, I will not forget you. Why will God not forget us? Let's look. The proof of God's compassion. The question of God's compassion is answered in verse 15. God will not forget those who trust in him, even if a mother forgets her nursing child. After proclaiming his compassion for us, God proves his compassion toward us. If the language of verse 15 is not dramatic enough, verse 16 is even more graphic. The compassion of God is illustrated through the nursing mother in verse 15, but the compassion of God is shown incarnate to us in verse 16. God works with the love-stained hands. Verse 16, it says, Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands, your walls are continually before me. Behold is, listen up, pay attention. I got something I want you to hear. With outstretched arms, God says, if you think I have forgotten about you, look at my hands. Look. This is an anthropomorphism. John 4, 24 says, God is a spirit. God does not have physical hands. God beckons us to examine his metaphorical anatomy to prove his love and compassion. You see, back in that time, it was customary for the slave or the servant to have ingrained on the back of their hands the name of their master. In condescending grace, in our story, the servant has their name engraved on the hands of the master. This is an accomplished fact, not a future promise. You did not write your name on God's hands. God has engraved you on his hands. You can never be erased from God's memory. It is common today when you lose a loved one, maybe to tattoo their name somewhere on your body, maybe on your hands, your wrist, your arm. 
You know, sometimes you'll do it in another language. But this is more than a tattoo. It says God has engraved you on his hands. You are not painted. Ink can be removed. You have been carved, engraved into his hands. You are on the palm of his hands as he looks at his hands, both hands. When the sheep are placed on his right, you will be included because he has engraved you on his hands. When the goats are placed on his left, you will not be included because he has you engraved on his hands. The figure is literal. When Jesus was nailed to the cross for your sins, we can look at it and say, the nail-scarred hands of our Savior are there because of us. We put Christ on the cross. John twenty twenty says, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. When you question the compassion and love of God towards you, what should you remember? His nail-scarred hands. When Satan stands before God to accuse you of your sin, is Satan right? Absolutely. 100% why? Because we're sinners. Satan brings an ironclad case before a holy God to accuse us and tell God they deserve death and hell because of their sin, and he is right. But Christ stands up, and it's with those hands he says, their debt has been paid. Their sentence is over because I have paid their penalty. Justice has been served. Their names are written on my hands. God sees us with love-filled eyes. Verse 16 says, Behold, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. How does God not forget us? Because of his hands. In the ancient world, major cities were surrounded by walls. The walls marked the border of the city. Moreover, the walls were a primary defense strategy. Do you remember the nation of Israel is in captivity. Jerusalem is in shambles. The walls have been torn down. The city wall represented strength, stability, and security. And the section of Isaiah's prophecy addresses the time when the people of God were in Babylonian captivity. And the cities of, wall, of, of Jerusalem's walls were non-existent. This is why Zion claimed the Lord had forsaken and forgotten her. And the Lord replies... I have not forgotten you. Your walls are continually before me. God is concerned about the spiritual matters of your life. 
God is also concerned about everything else in your life. He does not see things as they are. He sees them as they will be. If you are lost in sin, true comfort is only found in the Lord. If you feel forgotten, true love and compassion is only found in the Lord. There are some of you that entered this room today that had a tough week. You might even describe your life as, my life right now is a wreck. And maybe you're like Zion or the people of Israel and you have had that thought, God, you have forsaken me. Your walls are destroyed. Just like God told the people of Israel through Isaiah, you are continually on my mind. I have not forgotten you. Why hasn't God forgotten you? Because the love and compassion of God knows no bounds. That's why Christ went to the cross and as he sees his hands and his feet it reminds him of what he did for you and me. The only way you'll find the peace and security you are looking for in this life is through the shed blood of Christ. Our God is a compassionate God. So compassionate that he sent his only son to this earth to pay our sin's debt. This is our God. Let's pray.